Good evening, everyone. It is great to be with you. Welcome back from Feb break. I hope you had a good break. I hope you got some rest. I hope you had some fun. Yeah, yeah. They get a whole week off in February. Can you believe that? No, nobody does. Oh, I hope it was good, though. I really do. Uh, I'm really glad to. I'm really glad to see so many of you uh, again. I I don't know. Uh, are people worried about like primary stuff and MotCon results? Is it heating up a little bit? Is Biden wins state after state today? Um, that's true. He did win Vermont. Yeah. Um, I'm not sleeping. I, I'm really sorry. That's my fault. I distracted you. That's my fault. Get off your phones. Uh, I'm really, I'm really glad to be with you. We're we're jumping back into our series on the questions of Jesus. We've been looking at different questions each week in RUF. If, if especially just to catch you up, if you haven't been here before, each week we're looking at these questions that Jesus asks, and each week we're saying that the questions that Jesus asks people and that we're trying to let him ask us, they reveal something about us and they invite us to something in him. And so uh, tonight we're going to be reading in Mark 6 a very famous passage, which many of you will be familiar with. It's the, the feeding of the 5,000. The 5, but I want to sort of um, fill you in on what's been happening so far in Mark uh, chapter 6. In the beginning of Mark 6, Jesus, uh, who has been traveling with his disciples since they've been with him, since they've sort of been his disciples, they've been with him all the time. And in Mark 6, he sends them out. And he empowers them in his name to uh, preach the good news of the kingdom and repentance from sin. He empowers them to, uh, to, to free people who are enslaved to demonic powers. And he empowers them to anoint oil and to heal, miraculously heal the sick. And so they go out and they, and they do it. They actually go out and they're healing the sick. And then right, um, right after that, there's this interjection where we get this, this account of the, the death of John the Baptist. And it's, it's a really interesting thing, and I want you to try to... Uh, it's, it's an event that takes place over a meal, so I want you to be thinking about the difference between that kind of meal and the meal that we're going to see in our passage on Jesus feeding the 5,000. This is where uh, King Herod, who's the king of Palestine, he's having this party, and he's carousing and drinking with his cronies, and he's flirting with young women, and he has this young girl dance for him, and she pleases him so much that he offers her whatever she wants, and she asks for John the Baptist's head, and he doesn't really want to do it because he's afraid of upsetting the people, but he delivers it to her on a platter, and then we come right back in verse 30. That's just happened, and the disciples are now coming back from where they've been in the surrounding villages to where they're meeting Jesus. So we're jumping in in verse 30. If you have your Bible or it's printed on the back of your hand, it would be great for you to have that in front of you and read with me, please. It's Mark chapter 6, starting in verse 30. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. When they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. 
Then he commanded them all to sit in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. This is God's word. It's absolutely true. He gives it to us because he loves us. Let's pray and then we'll jump in. Lord Jesus, thank you for the gift of our voices and the way it sounds to sing to you together. Thank you for the gift of time together, of the breath in our lungs even. Uh, Thank you for your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd be at work in it right now so that we might know you and love you more and love each other. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I thought about the movie Finding Nemo as I prepared for this, for this sermon, and I was thinking about the scene at the very beginning when Nemo, which is this young clownfish, is going to his first day of school. And uh, his first day of school, they live in this coral reef, and the coral reef is relatively safe. It's relatively protected. And... The, the first day they go on a field trip to the drop-off. And the drop-off is the edge of the reef. And at the edge of the reef, the reef ends, the coral protection ends, the safety of all the other fish ends, and it just drops off into the open ocean. And so Nemo and his pals are, are on the edge, and they see in the distance up on the surface this big shape, which they call a butt, which is actually a boat, spoiler alert. And they are sort of daring each other who can go out farthest towards this, towards this boat. And they have been told, this is like the one rule, like, you know, you don't cross the street, you don't get into a stranger's car, like you don't go over the edge of the drop-off. But these, uh, these kids, they think that they are tough, and they think that they are strong, and they think that they can handle whatever life throws at them. And so they sort of go further and further out one at a time. And finally, it's Nemo's turn. And Nemo is a, a small little fish. And he has a lucky flipper. He's not a very good swimmer. And, and Nemo goes farther and farther and farther out. And he's trying to prove something, right? He's trying to prove like, I am strong, I am brave, I have got what it takes to touch this boat. And eventually his dad, Marlon, comes out and he sees him and he's shouting him to come back, come back, but, but Nemo is defiant. Because he's had this overprotective father all his life and all he wants to do is show that he is strong, that he has what it takes to do something big in the world. And so it's this, this, this look of determination and defiance and confidence on his face as he finally gets all the way to this boat out over the edge of the drop-off and touches it with his flipper. But then everything changes, if you've seen the movie, because right then you see bubbles and you notice coming up a scuba diver in a mask. And all of a sudden, that look of confidence and defiance and strength disappears. And all of a sudden, that feeling that he can do anything, that he can conquer the world, disappears. And he tries to swim away, but he's not strong enough, and he's not fast enough, and he's captured. We, we live in a world... You live in a culture. WNL is the kind of place that is cultivating you to be people who have what it takes. People who can take care of themselves. People who can conquer. People who can achieve anything. People who can handle things. That's the kind of person that you are being trained to be. But the, the problem with this is, and sort of the disappointment of this way of living, is that we have these moments like little Nima had where all of a sudden we realize oh, I'm not so strong as I thought. I'm not so brave as I thought. I'm, f- I'm coming up to a situation that I don't know how to handle, that I don't know what to do, that I can't succeed at, that I can't win, that I can't accomplish. 
uh, it's, it's a really devastating feeling. This is why it like crushes your soul if you're used to getting A's and then you get a B minus, or if you're used to getting B's and you get a C plus. This, it's that feeling all of a sudden like I thought I was a certain kind of person who could do a certain kind of thing in the world and I'm realizing all of a sudden, oh, I, I'm actually not. And that look on your face changes and that attitude of confidence and defiance changes. That's what's happening with the disciples in this account in Mark 6. Uh, the disciples have been out there crushing it. They, they've been out there doing great things. And Jesus asks them a really, really simple question. How many loaves do you have? And it changes everything. I've said each week that these questions of Jesus, they, they reveal something about us and invite us to something in him. So what we're going to see tonight is that this question, how many loaves do you have? This simple question, it reveals their inadequacy and it invites them to abundance in Christ. It reveals their inadequacy and it invites them to abundance. Uh, I, I want to sort of set the stage for what's happening and just remind you, um, because the disciples have been having a really busy and a really exciting and a really exhausting past couple of days. They, they've been sent out with this mission. It's the first time they're really doing things on their own apart from Jesus, uh, and it's working. They're getting to be a part of big things happening in the world. They're getting to lay their hands on people and see them healed. They're getting to preach to them with their mouths and see them repent and turn to God in faith. They're getting to pray for them and see evil spirits flee in the name of Jesus. They're getting to, to see the reality of God's power in the world. They're getting to see it with their eyes. And they're getting not just to see it, but to be a part of it, but to be the hands and the voice that's bringing it about. So you can imagine the, the excitement, the thrill of this. But we also read that there's been so much coming and going that they haven't even had time even to eat. So the disciples are coming and going. You've got all these other people who are constantly coming and going around Jesus. And so they finally get back to Jesus, and they're telling him all the things that they've seen, all the miracles they've seen done in his name, and Jesus has compassion on them. He sees that they're worn out. He sees that they haven't even had time to have a meal and so he says, come away with me to a desolate place. Come away. Come get some rest. Come get some refreshment. Come have a, come have a good night's sleep. Come have no one pestering you. And so they, they grab some food, probably about five loaves of bread and two fish, just enough for a meal of 13 people. And they get into this boat, and they go to a, they're going to go to a place by themselves, a desolate place, a place where nobody else is, to finally have some alone time. But, but what happens is that Jesus is becoming more and more famous, partially because the people in all these villages are getting healed in his name by the disciples. And they can see where the boat is going, and from all the villages, they, they run there. And it, it's hard to imagine what this would have been like. Like, the boat is the fast way to get there. So they're going uh, on their legs, which is slower, and they're going the long way around the lake, the Sea of Galilee, and from all the villages, people are just running. There's just clouds of dust in the air because so many feet are running. And they're going so fast. They're so eager, so urgent to see Jesus, to be a part of what God is doing in his life and his ministry with the disciples, that they run there and they get there ahead of the disciples. And so the disciples who were needing and expecting a break, rest, refreshment, instead they're greeted by thousands of people. And Jesus, who had compassion on the disciples, now has compassion on these 5,000 people. It, it, the text says, because he saw that they were like sh uh, sheep without a shepherd. They were like people who didn't have anyone to follow them into the land of goodness and plenty. Uh, this is the, this kind of shepherd language. You can think of King David the shepherd. This is king language. 
this is one of those interesting things because you've got King Herod right before this who's carousing and killing people and getting drunk and watching skimpy girls dance and you've got Jesus having compassion on people and caring for them. So Jesus starts to, starts to teach them and he, he goes all day. And I want you to try to imagine what the disciples must have been feeling during this. Now, I don't know. It's not in the text. If I was one of the disciples, let me be very clear, I am not. If I was one of the disciples, I would have been kind of like huddled up with my buddies complaining this whole time. Like, how long is this going to go on? Like, we haven't even gotten to eat yet. I thought we were going to get to, I thought I was going to take a nap today. And all of a sudden, there's thousands of people. And I'm having to hang on Jesus and do all these things. And so eventually, they kind of uh, lose patience. And they, they interrupt Jesus. Uh, hey, hey, Jesus, it's, it's getting late. Don't you think we should send these people away so they can get some, some food? They're kind of saying, hey, enough is enough. It's, it's, it's our time now, okay? All right? And, uh, and this is the moment where Jesus interacts with them that we're going to focus on today. Um, because these, these, these 12 men, they think they're revealing something to Jesus, but really Jesus turns the tables on them because they say, uh, send, them, send them away to get something to eat. And Jesus turns and says, you do it. You feed them. This is a, an impossible and overwhelming task that Jesus has just told them. It's an impossible and overwhelming task. It's something that they are not able to that they're not able to do. And so they come up with a good excuse. Jesus, it would, you want us to, to spend 200 denarii? They're saying it would take a fortune. This is like a year's worth of wages it would take, an enormous amount of money to feed all these people. They're saying, Jesus, surely you must be joking. We can't do this. And then Jesus asked this very, very simple question. How many loaves do you have? Go and see. How much bread do you have? You say you don't have enough. You say this task is impossible. Why don't you tell me exactly how much bread you have? And, and I find this moment to be really powerful because what Jesus is saying is, I want to force you into a position where you have to specifically articulate exactly to what extent you do or do not have enough for this situation. Exactly, specifically to what extent do you or do you not have what it takes to solve this problem? And of course the answer is, uh, we don't even have anywhere close to what it would take. Now we're not told, there's a lot of theories about, well maybe it was like five you know, foot longs from Subway. No, we, they got five little loaves of bread, they got, they got two fish, they got about enough food to feed 13 people, and there's, we're told, 5,000 men, we don't know how many other thousands of women and children, they don't even have any, they could have 10 times this, they wouldn't be enough. They're faced with this impossible and overwhelming situation. And so I, I want to ask you to consider tonight, what are the places in your life that feel like God is bringing you into situations that feel impossible and overwhelming? What are the situations that feel impossible and overwhelming? For some of us, it's the uncertainty of the future. For some of us, it's things like just the fight to resist temptation about things like sexual purity in our relationships or drinking. For some of us, it's just school and like wave after wave of assignments and exams, and I just had a break, and I've been back a day and a half, and I'm already completely overwhelmed and exhausted again. For some of us, it's like the dysfunction in relationships in our family or with friends. For some of us, it's the, the mistakes that we've made 
Some of us is just trying to live the Christian life. I know not everyone here tonight is a Christian, but this, this idea that I'm supposed to follow Jesus in my life here in college, and it just is way, way, way too hard. It feels impossible. It feels overwhelming. And what Jesus is challenging us with tonight, you and me, he's saying, I, I actually want to put you in a position where you have to articulate specifically exactly to what extent you can handle the things in your life or not. How many loaves do you have exactly? And what Jesus is doing for the disciples and what he is inviting us to, what he's, what he's revealing in us, is what it means to be, a, to be a people who embrace the honest truth of our own inadequacy. Who embrace the honest truth that, that even though we live in a world, even though you live here in a community and all of life is like this, that tells you that you have to be good enough and strong enough and smart enough and fast enough and clever enough and good-looking enough and successful enough and rich enough to handle everything in life. If we're honest about ourselves, that's just not true. And this, you know, perfect unicorn WNL student that you know, looks really good and effortlessly gets good grades and is like a really good friend all the time. They never cry, but everyone comes to them and cries. Like this person who seems to just flow through life, like it doesn't actually exist. And not only are we not quite there, we've only got a few loaves of bread. We're nowhere close. And so he's asking you, what, what do you have? What are you bringing to me? What are you bringing to your life? And so the challenge for us is to learn how to honestly answer the, like the disciples and to say things like, well, Jesus, what I'm bringing is kind of a half-hearted devotion. What I'm bringing is a sort of spiritual life where I don't really ever pray, and sometimes I show up at, on Sundays or Tuesdays, and I've read my Bible like once in the past month. We're bringing to Jesus and the things in our life that are overwhelming, these recurring sins, these things that we struggle with again and again and again, and we keep trying to break free of these cycles, and we keep falling back into them. We're bringing impure motives and selfishness and vanity and a desire to succeed above other people. We're bringing in these uh, notions of comparison and insecurity that drive everything that we do. We're bringing in our exhaustion. We're bringing in our limitations. The fact that we just don't know everything and can't do everything. That's what we have to learn how to say to Jesus. This is what I'm bringing. Uh, Jesus, this is overwhelming. I just have a couple of loaves. I'm totally inadequate to the task. Jesus actually is inviting us to learn how to honestly say to him, to ourselves, and even to our friends, exactly how much we're bringing to the table when it comes to the things in our lives that seem overwhelming and impossible. We're actually not enough. And thank God we live in a world and we relate to a God in in a relationship where our own ability to have what it takes is not what everything is based on. Because not only does Jesus reveal our inadequacy, but the second thing that I want to talk about tonight is that Jesus' question invites us into his abundance. Into his abundance. These, These disciples, they bring their inadequacy. They bring the reality, this specific articulation of exactly how not enough they are, exactly how much they can't solve this problem. And Jesus reacts with such kindness and such gentleness and such love and such power. He, he takes these five, there's thousands of people around. He takes these five loaves and these two fish in his hands. He takes what they have. The little that they bring, he takes it. And he blesses it. And then he uses it in abundance. 
And that's what he does with you and me. The little that we have to bring, he takes it and he blesses it and he uses it for abundance in the world. For his glory and for our goodness. And what we see here is this this outpouring of abundance. So much so, this is what it says in verse 42, that that they all ate and were satisfied. Not, Not like everyone got a morsel and technically everyone got a bite. No, they all ate and they were satisfied. Everyone had enough. When, when we can honestly face our inadequacy and bring to Jesus what we have, Jesus will accept us and he will bless us and he will use us in abundant ways in our lives and the lives of our friends and the people around us. That's what he does. And I love the, the details of this. These, these five loaves, these two fish, they go out and and the leftovers are like more than they started with. They got, we got 12 baskets. Now, we, now, how big are the baskets? I don't know how big the baskets were, right? Here's the point. It's an overflow. It's an overflow. There's so much it's overflowing. We don't know what to do with the leftovers. We have so much. In, in Jesus, our inadequate offerings, the little that we bring to the table turns into overflow. It turns into a, a, abundance. When, when we insist, this is the weird, this is the ironic part of our insistence to to act like and to present ourselves like we're people who have enough to handle the things in our lives. When, when we insist on being enough ourselves, it, it only leads to exhaustion and to failure. We get exhausted because we're trying so hard to maintain this, this picture, this illusion that we are one of those people who have it together. We are one of those people who are strong enough to handle everything that life is throwing at us. And inevitably, it's not going to work anymore. And some of you are, are well aware of that, and you're facing in this season these kind of moments where you realize that you don't have what it takes. Others of you are, are still trying really hard, and you're still holding it up. But it's not going to last for forever. It's impossible. When we insist that we are enough, it, it leads to exhaustion and failure, and we actually insist that we aren't enough is when it leads to life. It leads to the, the kind of abundant life that Jesus says he came to bring in John 10. He says, I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly. That doesn't mean he came to give you a life where you always win and where you always succeed and where you always do what you want. That's a life lived with a God who is so merciful and good to you that he takes what little you bring and he brings abundance into your life, into the world around you. Because you know that you are not enough, but he is. He's more than enough. I think one of the coolest parts about the story is that it's, it's the disciples and not Jesus who actually feed everybody. Jesus doesn't say, sit down, let me show you how it's done. Let me show you what it looks like to really trust God. No, he gives it back into their own hands. He delights to use us in our weakness, in our inadequacy, to bring this abundant blessing to the world. He delights to do it. He loves using weak people like me and like you. Here's what this means for you. We can think that Jesus sees our half-hearted devotion, that Jesus sees how little we pray and read our Bible, and that he's disappointed in us. But what Jesus says is, I see that half-hearted effort, and that's enough. And I'll take it, and I'm going to use it to do big things in your life. It means that we might look at the way that uh, we're struggling to resist sin and temptation and to break free from these cycles that we know we shouldn't be doing, but we can't stop doing, and we think God must be angry with us. And you know what Jesus does? He's, he looks at us and he says, I see you struggling, and I love that you're struggling. That's enough. 
and I still love you, and I'm still going to use you. It means that we might look at the, the uncertainty of the future and be totally overwhelmed and think, if, if only I trusted God more, then I wouldn't be stressed out. God must be so, dis- so mad at me, so disappointed in me. And God says, no, it's enough. It's enough. It's okay. I've got this. I'm going to carry you. He looks at the hard conversations that you feel like you need to have with your friend where you have no idea what to say and you feel completely in- inadequate to, to do the thing you're supposed to do. And he says, that's enough. Just show up. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be with you. The places in your life where you feel like you are not enough, Jesus says, it's okay. It's okay. He does not demand that you be enough. He's actually inviting you to embrace that you are not, but that he still loves you. You actually can't fix everything in your life. You're not supposed to be able to. That's not even because you're a sinner. You're just a human being with limitations. And as we embrace our limitations, and as we proclaim the honest truth of our inadequacy and our brokenness, Jesus is not mad at us. He's not disappointed. He takes it, and he blesses it, and he uses it. That's what he does. No matter how little we feel like we have to offer, Jesus says, in me, that's enough. I can take that. I can bless that. I can use that. Uh, three things tonight for, for application, okay? Three things to, to, for, for how we can implement this in our life. The, the first thing is to cultivate and, and uh, pray prayers of inadequacy. To actually say these things to God, just like the disciples, to tell God exactly where you're overwhelmed and then exactly how many loaves you have. Jesus, I've got this hard thing coming up my, in my week. I have no idea what to do. I am not enough to handle it. Will you please be the strength that I need? That's what that means. That's really what Paul means in 2 Corinthians 13. We love that passage where Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong, for your strength is made perfect in my weakness. That's what he means. Proclaiming, I am not strong enough. And when I can deal with that, honestly, I get to experience the abundance of Jesus who uses me and who works in my life, and who cares for me and loves for me. And we had to start to pray like that. Uh, the second thing is that when you embrace the reality that you are not enough, it frees you to slow down and rest. And we live in a world that says rest is lazy, rest is for slackers, and if you want to win at this thing, you better bust it all the time. And you better bust it harder than the people next to you. But if we can embrace that we're not enough, then we get to listen to the words of Jesus that he says to the disciples, just come away with me to a desolate place and rest. Which he still wants for the disciples, even though in this moment that's not, that's not what they got. <laughs> he actually wants you to come away with him and rest. You actually can slow down. You don't have to frantically insist on being enough all the time. And then the third thing is this, is that authentic inadequacy frees us to ask our friends for help. It frees us to ask our friends for help. And we need to cultivate the kind of friendships that are honest enough where we can be real about the places where we are overwhelmed with the impossibility of what is in front of us and have people who can say to us, it's okay. Yeah, you're right. You can't handle it. But God is with you, and he's good. And the little that you have to offer, he's going to take it, and he's going to bless it, and he's going to use it. And he's going to do abundant things 
more than you could ever ask or imagine. Makes me think of the old, the old tale of the tortoise and the hare. Do you know this? The tortoise and the hare are, are uh, going to go on a race. And the hare is really fast. And the tortoise is really not. And the hare thinks he's the best. He thinks he's the fastest animal in the forest. He knows that he can handle this race. He knows he can beat the hare. And he's so confident. He's so full of himself. He's so sure of his own strength that what happens? He gets distracted. He gets lazy. He gets off track. And he misses out on the race. And the tortoise, because he knows that he's slow, because he knows he's not good at racing, he, he just says, I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to ever sprint and run out of gas. I'm just going to kind of be myself. I'm just going to be the slow little tortoise that I am. And that little that he has, that little strength, that little speed is enough. And that's you and me. The, the little that we have when we can embrace it is actually enough. Because the truth is that you, you could get smarter than you are. And you could get bolder than you are. And you could obey God a little more than you are. And you could pray more than you are now. You could read your Bible more. You could succeed more. You could earn more. You could do all those things more. But guess what? It still wouldn't be enough. It still wouldn't be enough. It would still be inadequate. It still wouldn't satisfy you. And Jesus, this same God who used this bread, who blessed it and fed, he says, I am the bread. Whoever comes to me shall not be hungry, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So come to him. Come to him in the honesty of what you can't do and just see how much he can do. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the truth that it's okay that we are not enough. It's okay that we don't have what it takes. It's okay that we are inadequate. Please help us to, to see that and to embrace it. And help us to bring it to you with the faith and the confidence that you delight to take little faith and little obedience and little effort and little devotion and bless it and use it for big things. I, I pray that you would give us eyes to see that, that kind of abundance that comes from knowing you and your love. Jesus, we praise in your name. Amen.